Good morning, gorgeous. How are you ladies doing today? I hope you're all doing fantastic. You're listening to The Dr. Daff Show, and I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Daff. Today, we are talking about womanhood. I want to remind you that this is our elegant year where we are focusing on being an elegant, feminine, godly woman. And every week, I want to give you an opportunity to do something that will add elegance to your life, to your week. So I hope that you have been participating and you've been doing your weekly opportunities to bless your life and bless your home and bless your family. So the opportunity for this week, my love, is for you to get some scented sachets for your drawers and for your closet. When we have our clothes sitting in our drawers or the chest that you put your clothes in, the armoire, and there are a lot of different names for this contraption, but in most rooms, there is a place where you put your underwear, your clothes, your gym clothes, where it's folded up in a drawer. And of course, we also hang our clothes up on hangers. But what I want you to specifically focus on this week is letting those areas smell really nice because not only does it give you that lovely whiff when you open the drawer, but your clothes end up smelling really nice too. So one thing that I do, and there are a lot of different ways that you can do this and you can take some time and look online to see what works best for you. But I like using the little scent beads that are made for washing your clothes. If you go to the store, there are these beads that you can buy and you just throw them in the washing machine when you have clothes and it makes them smell really good. What I do is I just get a little sachet or a little baggie. Sometimes they're like baggies that people put candy and little treats in when they're having like a baby shower or a children's birthday party. Like they're really small, small enough to put like a bag of tea in. And you just add a few of those beads, like a handful of the beads into the sachet and just stick it in your drawers and stick it around your bedroom in areas that have like maybe like a sock drawer or a sock container that you have. If you have a closet where it's a walk-in closet or a sliding closet, you can stick some sachets on your shelves and it'll just allow those spaces to smell beautiful and to smell fresh and your clothes to just have a very uplifting scent. And then you can change the scents every season and just kind of um, rotate different scents around. So that is your opportunity for this week is to get some scented sachets. You can probably even buy them, but I think it's easier just to make your own and a lot more cost friendly to just make your own and put them around your things and enjoy, enjoy the scents. You will not be disappointed. So this week we are talking about the uniqueness of women and we are reading from our book, Understanding the Purpose and Power of Women, God's Design for Female Identity by Dr. Miles Monroe. And this week is such an interesting chapter. There were so many things in this chapter that I had to just, oh, there's a lot and it's a lot of reading. So if you don't have the book, you are going to get a good chunk of reading, but I would encourage you to support 
by purchasing the book and just having this in your arsenal because this book is loaded with information that is so helpful for us as women. So I want you to go ahead and sit back, relax, get something lovely to drink, or maybe you're driving to work or you're cooking. Just relax and just soothe your mind and allow yourself to take in this information of the uniqueness of woman. And I want to say thank you to every single one of you who listens to the podcast, those of you who send me messages and DMs telling me about how these podcasts are impacting you. It really does mean a lot to me. So I appreciate you and I appreciate you who leave reviews on Apple Podcasts about this podcast that just helps it to be more searchable and for people to be able to support. And those of you who leave ratings, I appreciate every single one of you ladies. I thank you for taking the time because it does take time and effort to do something for someone else. And it means a lot to me. Okay. The uniqueness of woman. God did not create the woman as an afterthought, but as an integral part of his plan in creation. As such, he designed and built her in love and with particular care. Her uniqueness is a reflection of God's purposes and design for her. The female is unique in five significant ways, and that's what he's going to go into in this chapter. First, a woman is unique because she is God's idea. Women, you don't understand how special you are. Adam hadn't even imagined the woman, but God had her particularly in mind. In Genesis 2.18, God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Adam was fumbling around in the bush, thinking of animal names, and God said, this is not good. The man needs help. So it was God who said that the man needed the woman. She was God's idea. And I also think that maybe, and this is just me, as Adam was naming the animals and and looking at the different animals and playing with the animals, I'm sure he noticed that there were counterparts, like animals had a a male and a female. There were, there were differences within the animal. I'm sure he noticed that and wondered why he was the only type of species that was like him. And, you know, obviously it was something that was in his heart that the Lord was able to see, but, you know, God himself also knew that he wasn't going to be fully complete without a helper. A woman is a product of God. This makes her God's property. If you handle her, you're handling God's idea. If you curse at a woman, you are cursing at God's idea. If you slap a woman, you are slapping God's idea in the face. If you abandon a woman, you are abandoning God's idea. Women, no matter what men might say about you, no matter what you think of yourself, You are a good idea. God's mind thought of you and God's spirit brought you into being. You are the result of God's idea and that makes you very valuable to him. Second, a woman is unique because she has a spirit inside. This makes her free and responsible spiritual being. Spiritually, men and women are equal. They have the same spirit man within. God called both male and female man. I like the way the word of God expresses it. There is neither slave nor free. 
male nor female in the body of Christ. Galatians 3.28. God doesn't look down from heaven today and say, there are so many men and women down there. He just says, there are a lot of men down there. The spirit man inside every woman is a being that relates to God. We worship God in spirit. So when God sees you, he doesn't see you as this woman. He sees your spirit because your spirit doesn't have a gender. And that is a beautiful thing for those of you who might think that being a woman sucks or being a woman is looked at being as being less than to God. Perhaps you've read the Bible and you've seen that there's so many men and the men are doing all the great things and maybe God sees you a little bit less. Well, he doesn't. He sees your spirit and your spirit is genderless. You are in a woman's body for a reason, for a purpose, but it makes you no different, no less than a man because to him, we're all men. Because a spirit man lives within the woman, the treatment of the woman by the man has to be taken very seriously. God honors and respects the woman. He loves and identifies with the spirit man inside the female. And so he takes special care in regard to her. One reason why the Bible tells us not to go to sleep without resolving our anger is that it's very important to treat while all those who have been created in the image of God. James reinforces this theme. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. You see, anger or resentment is a spiritual matter. It's not a physical concern. It's a spiritual one. And this is so deep. This is something that this chapter talks a lot about in terms of just male and female dynamics, especially when it comes to resolving issues and things of the like. But one thing that he talked about in the scripture is like with the same tongue that you're praising God with, that same tongue we're using to curse people, to say things that we don't mean to people or to gossip. And I want you to remember that. And here's the thing, the more you start to spend more time with God, more time with God in prayer, where you are praying for other people, and yourself, but more so when you're praying for other people and you see the amount of time it takes to spend your words, having to think of words, <laughs> just having to talk for a period of time about something very serious and you're talking to the Lord, it will keep you more mindful when you're speaking in general. You'll start paying more attention to the things that you say about people, the things you say to people, the language that you use, the words that you use, the more you spend time in prayer. And when it comes to husband and wives and this whole idea of resentment and not going to bed without resolving a problem, this is something I've seen talked about quite a bit with other relationship podcasts and talk shows where People will say, oh, sometimes we do go to bed mad because we just can't resolve it. And I even had a guest on my platform, Mrs. Kev on stage, who was a remarkable guest. And we had this conversation. We didn't necessarily see eye to eye immediately, but it was something that was an important topic to cover because she talked about how she would go to bed mad sometimes because she was just too upset. And when you're too upset, you end up saying things you don't mean. But the word of God says that we're not to let the sun go down on our anger. So I reckon that the best thing to do in these situations is to not go to bed angry. 
It doesn't mean that the issue is actually resolved. It just means that you're not angry when you go to bed. And it's not because I'm saying that it's so easy and it's like so convenient. I know that. (laughs) I know it's actually extremely hard, but I'm just saying what the word says. There's a reason God tells us to do everything he tells us to do. And these reasons are so deep spiritually that when you try to justify it or try to just say, well, this person says it's okay to do it. So, and they've been married for 50 years. I, I, I think it's okay to do it too. No, our model, the map that we follow is not other people's experiences. It's the word of God. It's what God says. And God says not to do it. So as hard as it is, as hard as it can be, the idea behind it is forgiving, letting the issue, the pain of the issue, the anger of the issue go before you go to bed. And it impacts you spiritually when you don't. Because the word of God is law, even though we're not under the law, It's still a spiritual kingdom and there are spiritual laws and things in place that God has put there. Once we start breaking those things that he said to do, we can start to open the door for attacks from the enemy. We start to open the door to things that God may be able to say, well, you know what? The enemy is right (laughs) in the, in the courtrooms of heaven. The enemy is right. You know, he has a right to do this, this, and this. But I'm not going to allow that because I'm God. Or I am going to allow it because there is there is a, a leeway here. And spiritually, we don't have to always understand every single thing in the spirit and how it all operates and works. We're protected when we just follow what God says. And so if you have a husband and you have found yourself going to bed angry with him, I would urge you to seek God in those times, pray and and. Ask the Lord to help you to soften your heart, to be able to forgive him and to be able to go to bed without being angry still. And it's not really, I don't know if it's if it's just your husband. I think it's just anger in, in general, not to let the sun go down on your anger. So it could be your boss. It could be your sister. It could be your neighbor. It could be your landlord. It could be your son-in-law. It can be your grand granddaughter, whoever it is or wherever it is, whatever it is, addressing it and not allowing the sun to go down on that anger. That's so important. But in terms of marriage, a husband should deal with his wife very delicately. For if he doesn't, God says that his prayers won't be answered. This, again, another spiritual law. The Bible says that men are to treat women with sensitivity and consideration. If they don't, their prayers will be hindered. In 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the more delicate or weaker partner and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. God is saying to men, wait a minute, (laughs) wait a minute. The woman isn't just a body of flesh. She has a spirit. The way you treat her will affect your prayer life. Therefore, if you don't treat a woman with consideration and respect, it could block your relationship with God. God won't hear your prayers until you go back and make things right with her because you have interfered with the spirit man 
of the woman. Did you know that? You know, not every one of us knows all the things in the Bible and it's an ongoing learning process, but this is in the Bible. Did you know that your prayers can actually not be reaching God? A person's prayers could actually not be reaching God. And God specifically said this to husbands. So if you have a husband who has been mistreating you, who has been disrespecting you and has not come to you for forgiveness, has not changed, has not addressed this matter, and he is a man of God, the word says his prayers may be hindered. He may not be able to get his prayers up to God. Things may not end up working out well in his private life because he's broken spiritual law. That shows you, if nothing else, how much God does care for you as a wife. And knowing that some of us end up in situations where we're marrying, we're married to men who aren't very kind or who aren't quote unquote good men. And even if they claim to be a Christian, they're actually not. They're actually not men of God. And we sometimes as women can feel trapped in marriages or feel like, God has abandoned us, but the truth is God put these spiritual laws in place so that men are accountable to act correctly as husbands. And so a lot of men, you know, unfortunately, tend to not be as spiritual or not be in their word. And many don't know this truth, that their prayers can be hindered because of the way they treat you. And that's, that's deep. Some men think that they can slap their wives around and then go to church as if nothing happened. God isn't buying it. Some men think that they can do something to hurt their wives and then just go ahead and become a deacon. God is not listening to their prayers. Mistreating a woman is a serious thing because God deals with the woman's spirit in spirit and in truth. He has so much respect for her spirit that he defends her when she is misused. And I've seen different pastors and uh, people talk about this whole issue where let's say they had a husband, a woman had a husband, and he was maybe a non-believer, but he was like disrespectful towards her, right? He mistreated her. Maybe he was cheating on her, beating her, or just being, just being nasty, pretending she doesn't exist, pretending he, she doesn't live in the house, you know, just being rude all the time. And she was having a hard time submitting to him because of his horrible behavior. And so she told God, look, I want to do your will. I want to do what you said. So help me. (laughs) And God ended up giving her husband a really bad dream. Horrible. To the point where he woke up the next morning and said, you know what? I'm sorry for everything I've done. I want to follow the Lord. Like, I don't know. I think he may have had a vision of being in hell. But it was something devastating that also caused him to change his ways and repent and want to be a better person and want to actually follow Jesus. And that was the biggest blessing for her. She got a brand new husband because the Lord took care of it. She did not have to take it in her own hands. And you don't have to go take this scripture and be like, by the way, I hope you know that the way you've been treating me, that's why God's not answering your prayers because he doesn't hear them. No, 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 no. God is watching and God will will come through. He will step up. But you, on the other hand, need to allow him to do what God does. 
God did not need the wife to do anything. He addressed it in the dream. And God is always defending women. If you watch my interview of Tony Arcane, the woman who went from being a prostitute, being on drugs, arrested, I think she was arrested over 80 times, multiple, countless amounts of rapes. If you haven't watched that interview, that interview is so powerful. You can listen to it here on the podcast or you can watch it on YouTube. It's a two-parter on YouTube. She talks about a situation where she was about to be killed by a man who she had cheated. Um, He was trying to buy some crack from her and she cheated him. And so one day him and his friends found her and they like had her pinned down and he took a huge rock and was about to crush her head with it. And she just screamed, Jesus. And when she said that, uh, he just flew back with the rock. And she said that he started apologizing to her. He took her to the car. He gave her like all of his money, his watch, and just was like, take everything, you know, like whatever you need. Like, I'll get you a ride home. I'm so sorry. And, you know, the, it was a, as if the Lord had sent an angel, probably most likely an angel, to protect her in that moment. Because God does not allow his women to be misused. There comes a time, it may not be when you think, but God will always get justice. You just may never find out about it. Jesus said that if you go to worship God and while you're offering your gift, you remember that there's a broken relationship in your life that needs to be mended. You must leave your offering right there at the altar and go and make things right. This one is so deep because if you're a person who is struggling with the Lord, struggling with feeling close to God, struggling with getting the things that you pray for and that kind of thing, really think about this. What are your relationships like? Because God cares about your relationships. And the Lord says, if someone has a problem with you, it's not even if you have a problem with someone else. If you know someone has an issue with you, this is truly a challenge sometimes because, you know, people can have an issue with you and you feel like that's their problem, right? Like, why do I have to address them when they're mad at me for something that is their issue? But the Lord cares about our relationships. He wants us to go and approach that person and clear the air. It's so important, especially wanting to have a life that you feel light and you feel clear and fulfilled and happy, full of joy, but not just joy, also happiness. Happiness is important to God. I know people are always talking about joy and joy, and I want to have joy. And it's not about happiness. It's about joy. It's about both. And happiness is all through the Psalms, all through the Bible. God talks about happy is the man who does this. Happy is the person who does that. He wants you to be happy too, okay? And part of it is having that sort of like clear conscience, clear space, clear knowing that you're at peace with other people. It's not saying you have to force their hand or make them forgive you or make them feel okay, but at least doing that initial step of facing that issue, facing that disagreement and If you need to apologize or you need to apologize that they feel a certain way, that's fine. It's so worth it in the end 
not just in a physical way in terms of experience in your life, but in a spiritual way, in terms of the blessings that are due to you getting to you, your prayers actually getting to heaven. Okay. Uh, I know this for sure. (laughs) You know, not every prayer gets to heaven. Not every prayer makes it up there because of things that were not doing correctly here. And I also know the difference when I'm living in a certain way by God's grace, how effective my prayers start to become, where everything is like getting answered even before I pray for it. Um, the moment I think about it, it's it's done. And truly, it comes from a place of humility and um, also just being brave. I've been praying sometimes and it's like, I know my sister's mad at me for something. Like, I know what I did. I know I irritated her. And maybe I said something a little rude or, you know, I could have not said whatever I said. And I know, I know I haven't heard from her in a couple of days and she's upset, right? I have to make a decision to stop asking God for whatever I'm asking for and reach out to her and say, hey, how's everything going? And be that person to initiate that conversation and apologize or hear her out or whatever it is that needs to be done in that moment. That is more important because that really does help to just make the relationship better overall. It's not even just about getting my prayers answered, but in the process, you grow as a person and you become the kind of person who isn't afraid to face people who may be mad at you. God cares about our relationships more than the sacrifices, all the fasting you're doing, going to church every week and doing your Bible studies and going to teach children's leadership and children's dance and children's worship and all the homeless people you're feeding. All that stuff is great, but none of that matters if you are not at peace with the people that God has put in your life. Jesus says that relationships with other people are even more important than worship because you cannot worship except in the context of your relationships. It doesn't matter how serious and sincere you are about God. It doesn't matter how much of the Holy Spirit you possess or how much scripture you've learned. It doesn't matter to God how many times you speak in tongues or whether you have memorized a tremendous amount of scripture. God is not overly impressed by your ability to communicate with him, but by your ability to articulate your worship or praise. Okay, his reception of you and his reception of your worship, whether or not you're doing all these other things, is contingent upon your relationships with other people, especially your spouse. Let me tell you, I've had times recently even where I'm like praying to the Lord about different things because now, as you know, being a mom and a wife, I had all these things in my life already that I'm working on. I have a fragrance line. I have a podcast. I have a full-blown YouTube channel that is a talk show. So it's not just me making videos. I'm working with other people every every week. I have a new guest coming from a different state or a different country and creating content. I have family and friends and taking care of myself. I am very busy, extremely busy. Now being a mom who stays at home, and having my baby all day. Okay. I'm, I am extremely stretched. <laughs> Not to mention, I don't just have one YouTube channel. I have three YouTube channels. 
So it's always this game of juggling. And a lot of times I feel like I don't have very much time. I remember just a few weeks ago, really thinking about like, Lord, how do you want me to use my gifts that you've given me? What are the things that you have put inside me? What anointings have you given me? What office am I in? All these spiritual conversations I'm having with God, right? And I really want to know, like, I really want to know, Lord, have you given me the gift of this, the gift of that? Like, what's going on? And God's like, can you please go cook a meal for your husband? Please. Can you just focus on that? Can you please just hang out with your son without being on your phone? Can you just do that? And then we can talk about all these other things later, but I need you to focus on that. Can you look a little better at home too? Because the way you're looking at home is not okay with me. Like, please look better. Please look better for yourself and your husband. You have a husband. I gave you this person. I gave him a beautiful wife as a blessing to him. Please make yourself look a little bit better at home because this is the only place you really are at home. He needs to see you looking better. That's not okay with me. And I was like, okay, like, okay. That's what he cares about. He cares about how I'm living as a wife and as a mother. And especially as a wife, he wants to make sure that I'm not neglecting my husband because I'm so focused on podcasting, YouTube, this and that and all this other stuff. So that is just pushed to the side. Everything is important to God, but mostly being a great spouse and actually putting care and consideration into everything you're doing for your husband, not just checking off a box, but actually caring like, oh yeah, that's right. Like I need to look a little bit better at home. I need to start not looking like (laughs) any kind of way just because I have a baby. It's not an excuse anymore. In love, that's what God was telling me. So I had to put all these spiritual conversations aside until I worked on those things. And the Lord is good. He is always going to deal with you in a very gentle manner until, you know, you're actually ignoring him. Then it maybe it'll come a little bit harder or you won't see progress in whatever you're focused on. If there's something he wants you to do at home. So let's say you're actually fighting with your husband or he's been ignoring you, giving you the cold shoulder, or there's something happening in the household. It's important that before you spend time in prayer and and fasting and all this other stuff that you want to do for other things, that you get your relationship correct with your husband. We love to hide behind God so that we don't have to accept the responsibility of face-to-face relationships. In the book, he was talking about how many times people will just pray for people instead of confronting them when they have an issue with them. Oh, I'm just going to pray for her. Like, hopefully, you know, she'll forgive me or Lord, please forgive her. And that kind of thing. Lord, change him instead of you dealing with him. And there's a place for both things. But unfortunately, a lot of us try to hide behind prayer when really we need to be doing something. We love to hide behind God so that we don't have to accept the responsibility of face-to-face relationships. Our reluctance to deal honestly and directly with other people is a reason why there are so many problems in relationships. Even in the body of Christ, we use God as a scapegoat. I honor my wife and do right by her, not only because I love her and because of who she is, 
but also for the sake of my relationship with God. Jesus said that my relationship with God is even more important than my relationship with my wife. And yet God made my relationship with him contingent on my relationship with her. That's deep, right? In the same way, since women came out of man, she needs to stay connected to man in order to live the life she was created to live. A man really can't get upset about what a woman is. He can't forget the material of which she is made, the same material of which he is made. And because of this, she should be valued and loved by the man. A man, not just any man, we're going to talk about husbands. It says in the scripture, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church. For we are members of his body. This is Ephesians 5, 28 through 30. So we are part of the body of Christ. And as a woman, you were part of the man's body. The Lord took woman from man. So when it says in the scripture, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, I believe it's pointing to that initial situation of the fact that we came out of him. We're part of his body. So love us like we're part of your body. Because for men, the Lord knows men. And that's why he said, like, you love your body. You feed your body. You care for your body. So if you love your wife, then you love yourself. Because no one hates their body. No one hates their own body. You're going to always care for your body. This is such a deep statement because as women, oftentimes we're not <laughs> thinking about ourselves. We're always thinking about how we're going to help and how we're going to take care and how we're going to do these things to make the people in our lives comfortable and satisfied. And we give so much as women. Men, on the other hand, not really like that. Most of the time when men are doing things, they're doing it because it benefits them. So even if it looks like it's benefiting you, it's benefiting you so it could benefit them. <laughs> Not just to benefit you, if that makes sense, which is different from women. Okay, Women will literally not even care about themselves and just be trying to help. So that's why he made sure to say, like your own body. Think about it. Think of them like you. Think of it like it's yourself. That is how men have to think in order to see themselves in a certain way. And that's why a lot of times when men do get married and they are men of quality, they take on a new love for their wife, a new love that they did not have before they got married. Yes, maybe they love their wife before they got married, but once they get that title of husband, those men take on a brand new role of leadership because now that this wife belongs to him, a lot of times they take on this new sense of care. Like, because I now have her as my own, I need to make sure she's good. Not just because she's my wife, but because she's mine. And that's why it's important when you meet men to take a look at how they treat things that are theirs. Everything. People that are theirs, <laughs> pets that are theirs, items that are theirs. 
they have any regard, any care for things that are theirs. It's very telling. It's very telling. And don't let people try and trick you and say things like, well, you know, men tend to be slobs and care. they don't care about anything. It's like, yeah, for sure. For sure. Some men can be like that, for sure. But overall, even if he is a slob, if he knows that you're coming into his car, will he clean it? Does he care enough about himself <laughs> to clean his car, right? Because that's going to show you those men that, you know, aren't going to clean up at all. And there's going to be chips on the seat and crumbs on the floor and sticky stuff everywhere and trash and mail and all this stuff in the car. Don't think this is going to be the same man that's going to give you the life, the lifestyle and the life that you are desiring. He is not. It is a sign of laziness and carelessness. And that will trickle into the marriage. Doesn't mean that he doesn't care about you. Just means that he doesn't really care about himself. So he can't do more for you than he does for himself. In the book, it says, I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. The head of every man is Christ. So first we see that the man has a head to whom he is responsible for. He's under the headship of Christ. Verse three continues and says that the head of the woman is a man. The woman also has a head. She is responsible to the man. The verse concludes, and the head of Christ is God. Paul was expressing the idea that if you think you don't like being under someone else's authority, you will have to tell Jesus to move out from underneath the father's authority. Until you become better than Jesus, the best thing for you to do is to stay under your authority. A woman may be smarter, have more education, work a more prestigious job, or make more money than a man. Yet for the man to fulfill his role, she needs to submit to him. Submission is an act of will. It is your choice. A woman should submit to a man, not because a man says so, and not because society says so, but because of her purpose. In this way, she enables her husband to be a leader. And I can go on and on about this. (laughs) I've talked about this in plenty of my interviews on my talk show, on my channel, and here on the podcast. I've talked about this, you know, with other married women, But let me tell you, if you have a fiance or even let's just even say a husband and you haven't been allowing him to lead, if you practice submission, godly submission in terms of praying about it and letting the Holy Spirit show you for your particular husband what that looks like, let me tell you, you will see a brand new man. You will see a brand new man. And it's beautiful because you see their confidence increasing. You see their love for you increasing. And one thing I've also seen is like how much money they start making, like at work, how they start moving from position to to position and all these kinds of things start happening because their confidence is just so much higher because their wife lets them lead. So they feel like they can. And that is so important to a man, so important and and necessary for their construction. A woman should submit to a man. In this way, she enables her husband to be a leader. There is an evil spirit abroad in the world today in which no one wants to be under anyone. 
This satanic spirit has often taken over our society. Yet Jesus himself gave us the model of authority and submission when he submitted to his father. Jesus was so submissive to God, he submitted unto death. That was why he came and that was the mission he had. And at any point could have said, you know what? Uh, This thing right here, I'm sorry, I just can't do it. But he did it. Nobody is, is trying to die. No one is trying to die. God came as in, in the form of human as Jesus. Okay, Jesus was fully God and is fully God, but he's also fully man. He's fully human. He experienced every human emotion like despair, like dread, like pain. He doesn't want to feel those things. He didn't want to have to die, but he did it. He did it for the sake of your redemption. If you're eating right now, let me just tell you, if you're eating right now, just skip over this because this example is not going to be good if you're eating. But I'm going to give you an example. And this is not even close to the level that Jesus did for us. This is just just a small example for some people who are so used to hearing Jesus died for us, Jesus died for us, Jesus died for us, like, and they don't even understand, like, how it is to do something that you don't really want to do, but you're doing it anyway because of the other person. As a mother, you have a baby and maybe this is as a sister, as an auntie, as a grandma, whatever. You have a baby and you know the baby poops. And for some of you, you have a pet and your pet poops, right? Imagine having to clean up that baby that baby's poop with your bare hands. You don't have anything else to clean them with but your bare hands. You wouldn't even touch your own with your bare hands, but you would do it for your baby because you have to. You're their parent. You are so instinctually maternal that you are going to care for them at any cost. This is one of those things where it's like so hard to think about, so hard to even do. You don't want to do it, but you know you want to do it, you know, because you have to, because how else is this baby going to get clean? They're dependent upon you. When Christ was going to the cross, he did not want to. He said when he was in the garden, when he was struggling, when he was struggling, Lord, if if there's any other way, please, because this is, this is, I don't, please just, just take this cup from me. But if, if not, if this is the way, then this is the way. It's not like he was jumping up and down to do it. But he did it because he loves you. And he needed to die in order to reverse, flip, clear the curse. In order for you to be free. In order for you to have the ability to have a life where things have gone awful for you. Where you've fallen into sin And you now have a choice to escape and leave that life behind and have Jesus now as your savior, where all those things no longer count and you can have heaven here on earth and have a brand new life. It was for such a big purpose that he submitted 
Jesus is not inferior to God. Jesus is not inferior to Jehovah. They're equal. But for the purpose of salvation, he submitted himself to a position in which he could fulfill the requirements of salvation. Similarly, a woman isn't less than her husband. However, for God's purposes, it is her position to submit. Do you know why marriages and relationships in society aren't working? It's because people are refusing to accept their positions. Many of you women have had your hearts broken by unsympathetic or maybe even domineering men. God has compassion on you. He has made provision for your hurt through the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ and the healing power of his Holy Spirit. Yet your hurt can't change God's original design for males and females. He can't alter his design based on your ideas of what a relationship should be, even though you've had painful experiences. In 1 Corinthians 11.5, it says, Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is just as, it is just as though her head were shaved. If a woman does not cover her head, she should have her hair cut off. And if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut off or shaved off, she should cover her head. And people tend to read this scripture quite literally in terms of like, when you pray, you need to have your head covered. This is deeper than that. Your head is your husband. And having your head uncovered dishonors you. You need to be covered by your husband. It's not about hats and veils. That's fine. But that's not what makes you any more righteous than the next person. Our positions have nothing to do with how we feel about them. They have to do with our purpose. What is your purpose? That determines where you're placed. God created man and placed him within the male and the female. Then he subjected the male to Christ Jesus and the female to male. That's how he set up the order of things. That's how God designed it. That was his choice. He said, men submit to me, women submit to him. Any man who was out from under Christ is not really a qualified authority. The most dangerous man to marry is a man who isn't submitted to anyone else, who believes he is the ultimate boss and won't answer to anyone. If a man has to answer to someone, then his wife has someone to whom to appeal. And I always say this when people are asking me, what are some things that you should look for when you're dating? and you want to get married to a good man, I always say, find a man who is submitted to another man in some way, whether it's their father and an uncle, a pastor, an older friend, uh, anyone, anyone that this person is truly submitted to, a person that they can say, nah, that was wrong, go apologize to her. A person who has authority over them. That is important because there are so many men out here. I know because I've met them, I've dated them, who ain't nobody going to tell me nothing. I ain't got to listen to nobody. They have no respect for their father. They have no respect for any man of authority, any man of authority whatsoever. Those men are dangerous, dangerous. You want a man who has a godly fear of another man. 
who can put him in place, who can check him, who he truly respects. That's so important. Sometimes you'll meet a man and he doesn't have contact with his father or his father passed away or his father left him at a young age. So he's truly out of his life. And there are some men you meet them and they actually have no respect for their father. And they'll talk about, you know, how their father is worthless and that kind of thing. And, you know, that's between them and their father. But I always say, if you can try to find a man who has a good relationship with their father, you will avoid so many issues because that first head of authority, when that's out of whack, it leads to so much internal turmoil and confusion. And it's not going to be that way with everyone, but I will tell you personally, in my dating history, there was a significant difference when I dated men who had great relationships with their fathers, who came from two-parent homes, whose parents were not dysfunctional, truly, genuinely loved one another. They didn't see their father cheating on their mom and all that kind of thing. Those men, top of the line, top of the line. They had a different sense of manhood, a different sense of honor. They sometimes would not want to do certain things. And like, I would say, you're grown. Like, and they're like, yeah, I know, but you know, I wouldn't want to disappoint my dad. I started to see the pattern as I developed and matured. And I noticed like, it's a great thing that you don't want to disappoint your father, even though you're grown, even though your father won't even find out. That's great. That's character. You are able to still submit to him and his authority and his will for your life, even though he doesn't take care of you anymore. That's deep. I love that. And that's something I want to impart for you ladies to consider when you're dating. It makes a big difference in the man. I went off on the tangent. Sorry about that. Okay. It says here in the book about Queen Esther. I have a whole series called the Esther Anointing that is so powerful, filled with the spirit. It is a life-changing series. If you haven't listened to those podcasts, I would, I would. It's called The Esther Anointing. And I recorded it almost two years ago. So you will have to definitely dig deep to find it. But if you find those, please listen to them. There's 10 episodes. It's a life changer. But in the story of Queen Esther, she wanted to affect a change in her country, but she was afraid to go to her husband, the king. So she went to God and God gave her wisdom about what to do. He gave her a plan and the plan worked. You can appeal to the one whose authority the man is under. That is why it's good to have a husband who is responsible to spiritual authority, who is responsible to God. When you have a a husband who loves God and who is God-fearing, you can go directly to God because you know he cares about what God thinks. He cares about being under, you know, God's love. And with that, you can pray and ask the Lord, show me the best time to bring this up, God, because you know, this is a big issue for us. I really want us to deal with this. And I know that it's hard, but I know you're going to help me, Lord. Just please prepare my heart, prepare my husband's heart for this conversation and give me the timing. Like when it's time, be like, go prepare a, a situation for me to have this conversation with him. He'll do it. 
he'll do it. And that helps just having that spiritual authority. But even if it's not a spiritual person, it could be a person in real life, could be his father. And it's not something I would never recommend you to go behind his back to his father and tell his father all this stuff and all the problems and everything. No. But when there's something deep, when there's something serious, when there's something that you need their authority to step in or even pray for, pray about it and and see what God tells you about speaking to their person authority about. It says in the word, neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. For this reason, and because of the angels, the woman ought to have a sign of authority on her head. So when you read the scripture, right, it's basically saying that woman was created for man, not the other way around. They were not created for us. We were created for them. But what do angels have to do with this? It says because of the angels. It's like, wait, because of the angels? (laughs) What do angels have to do with any of this? Well, you could substitute the term angels with spirit world or spiritual realm. Paul said to the female, when you start functioning in the kingdom of God, you must be careful because even the angels will look to see if you are under authority before they will submit to your request because submission activates heaven. Submission activates heaven. And this is so important because angels are the ones who do a lot of the work in the kingdom. And they also have to see if you're spiritually in line before they take your your requests up or they handle certain things. You know, the angels oftentimes are who are taking your prayers to God and bringing God's answers down to you. So that's why he mentioned because of the angels, okay? Consider the example of Christ again. How did he submit himself as a man? He went to John the Baptist to be baptized. So when we talk about Christ submitting and how I was telling you about how if you're dating, men should be submitted to God and also submitted to a person on earth. So with that example, thinking about Jesus, he was submitted to God but he was also submitted to a man on earth. And that man was John the Baptist. When Jesus was about to start his ministry, he had to be baptized because that was the rules in terms of the age when you become a rabbi, there's a certain age and there's a certain process. And that process was to be baptized. Even though he is still God, it's like, (laughs) why do I need to be baptized? I'm God. He's human. And as a human, he needed to follow those human rules. So he went to John the Baptist to be baptized. John was in charge. John was the authority. And Jesus told him, John, you have to do this. You're the one on the scene right now. You're the one that's in authority right now. I'm not even in your position yet. You've been doing this. You've been preaching. You've been doing all these prophecies and you've been doing all this stuff out here before I got here. I'm not going to just show up and just start doing my thing. I need to be baptized by you. And John was like, wait, (laughs) I should be getting baptized by you. (laughs) And Jesus was like, "Uh, no, because if you don't baptize me, the angels aren't going to cooperate with me. And I'm the son of God. Baptize me so I can fulfill what God has ordained. That's in Matthew chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. Now, if Christ submitted because of heaven, who do we think we are? You may be independent, 
famous, a fantastic business person, and doing very well. However, if you aren't going to submit to anyone, I have problems with you because heaven doesn't trust you. Don't ever believe that you can run off and do God's work without being in submission. Don't ever run away from a ministry and do your own work because someone there made you upset. The angels are watching. You can actually remove God's protective covering from yourself when you move out from under your authority. This principle applies to both males and females. If you're covered, he will bless you. And this has actually been a personal challenge because getting married and um, COVID happening, I haven't been able to have the church that I attended as a child and just wanting to actually branch out and go to a different church. It's been difficult for me to find a church and I found one, but it's not close by. And it's, it's kind of like me being in a limbo. I am going to a church now, but I'm not like fully plugged in. And I know I need to be in a church where I'm under authority. That is extremely important. And God has been saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it for like, I would say about a year now. And it's time for me to fully dive in and just go to the church that I am going to now and just plug myself in there until I find, you know, the next place. And that's so important because so many people who are Christians or, you know, who just got saved and just got in Christ, they don't feel like they need to be connected to a church. But that's actually so serious, not just for attendance purposes, but in terms of being under the authority spiritually of that place. Because spiritually, those things also trickle down to you when you're under the authority of a certain pastor. Everything in the female was made for the man, including her intellectual ability. And and a lot of men don't seem to care about women's intellectual ability, but that's actually quite important. It's not just her body, which her body is also made for a man, but also her intellectual ability. Okay. Um, a woman's mind is an awesome machine. God gave a woman a way of thinking that will amaze you. And in the book, he talks about how because women are made for men, whatever belongs to the husband belongs to the wife. So he talks about how he buys his wife whatever she wants and takes care of her because that's that's his woman. And whatever is his is also hers. If he orders food and she wants some, she can take some off his plate because whatever is his is also hers. And I know I struggled with this a little bit when I got married because having to go from being independent to being interdependent is a whole thing. But my husband taking care of me is something so beautiful. And seeing his things as mine is is a very complicated thing for me. But now not working a job, like a a full-time career where I'm making a set amount of money every month, the Lord has really put me in a position where I really actually need my husband to like really take care of me for every single thing, not just the things that he'd be taking care of anyway as a man, but like all the little things because I'm not making nearly, nearly as much money as I was at this point in time. And so every time I pray, I'm like, Lord, you know, I would really like to buy this. I really like to go to this place or do this thing. And I need this money. Instead of just asking my husband, I'll ask God and God will 
say, okay, sure, no problem. And my husband will randomly say, oh, babe, I sold you this amount of money. Or he'll just send, my husband will just send me money. And I'm like, I didn't want it from him. I didn't want it from him. I wanted you to give it to me in some other way. And God's like, well, I'm giving it to you from him because that's his job. That's his job. And thank God that he's an obedient, loving man who wants to do his job and love me the way that God wants him to love me. That's his choice. He doesn't have to do it. He wants to do it. And God, you know, is also involved in in moving his heart to help me without even knowing. He didn't even know I wanted the money or needed the money. I could just go ask him, but I did not want to. I wanted God to give it to me. He still gave it to me through him because he was trying to teach me something. And everything for the female is in the man. In the Lord, however, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. Okay, for a woman came from man. Also, she is one of, in terms of species, she's only human, but female species of, of all sorts are the ones that also birth men, birth males, right? Everything comes from God. Everything comes full circle. After all that Paul had set up to this point, he placed both male and female in the same spiritual position. He said, in the Lord, both man and woman are the same. Woman came from man, but no man comes into this world unless he is born of a woman. God has ordained both the spiritual and the physical realms, and he has a purpose in each of these things. In the book, he talks about a woman saying, you know, at work, I'm boss. And this is this is very common for so many women. At work, you're the boss, right? And But she said, "When I, as soon as I get home and I walk through my door, I'm a wife. And that's a smart woman. Of course, you can be the boss at work, but when you get home, you are the wife. That means you can't treat your husband like your employees at the office. Or even like the little children that you take care of at your job. You can't talk to him like he's a child. Okay. You can't treat your husband like you treat anyone else. He should be treated the best. And altogether, different authority takes over. You can preach all you want, my dear. You can be a whole pastor. You can prophesy. You can rebuke the devil. You can cast out 20,000 demons. You can be the president of the United States. When you get home, your husband is in authority, period. First Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs with you in the gracious gift of life. And Peter was saying, Husbands, treat your wife with consideration and with respect because God designed her in such a way that she is delicate. She is very, very fine. So when it says weaker vessel, it means that, yeah, you're, you are different than him. A lot of women get like so annoyed by that. Oh, I can't believe I'm being called weaker. And it's like, but you do know that you're different than him, right? You do know that you're not the same, right? So one can be stronger, one can be weaker. It doesn't mean you're actually weak. It could just mean you are just not the same. <laughs> and if you think you're the same as a man, my love, you are so super mistaken. You are super mistaken. You're not the same as a man. You're not. 
And any woman who thinks that is in, in such a terrible position because you're putting yourself in a, in a situation where you're going to find out that you're not the same as a man. And I don't want you to have to go through that. The other day, my neighbor was, had a new neighbor and she's, I could see her through my window taking out these huge, heavy boxes into her house. And she's a single woman. And I saw her and I'm like, oh, that sucks that she doesn't have a husband. Right? That's the first thought that came to my mind. Sucks that she doesn't have a son or just a man. Someone to help her with these. She's older and she's carrying these huge, heavy boxes out of her car. So I looked at my husband. I was just like, babe, do you think he can go outside and help this lady with these boxes? And of course, he was like taking a quick little break from work. And I'm over here asking him to go do manual labor for free. And he was just like, okay. (laughs) He's a great man. And he went out and he helped this woman. And the woman had so much more things than he had. He even realized, like, we thought it was just like what was in the car, but she had like a whole container full of items that she needed to move. And she was going to do all of that by herself. When I tell you this woman was in tears after my husband finished helping her, she was like, you don't understand. You gave me hope. I was thinking there was no way I was going to be able to do this. And I didn't, she didn't realize like what it took. And she said, I am one of those people who, don't want to admit that you do need a man, but you do. And I was just like, girl. But that's the thing. It's like that pride will, and and the culture, society will make you think that and have you struggling, hurting yourself, stressed when you don't have to be. You don't have to be. We are different. And it's okay if we're weaker in some areas. We're definitely not weaker in all areas, that's for sure. But by weaker, it means delicate, very fine, okay? A a beautiful glass vase is weaker than a ceramic beautiful vase. They're both beautiful, they're both vases, but if you drop, both of them, they'll probably break. However, if you even tap, even tap the very thinly made glass vase a little too hard, it can shatter. If you tap the ceramic vase, it's probably not going to shatter. Delicate, weaker, but not in a way that makes one better or worse than the other. God built the female a little more elegantly Her shape is a little more refined than a man. He designed her delicately. It also refers to the delicacy of her soul. The expression of a woman's soul is very refined. Because of her purpose, she is more sensitive. God designed the female to be physically different from the man so that she could bear offspring of the race. She is the wombed man. She was meant to receive the seed of the man, conceive, and carry the child until it's born. In this way, God entrusted the woman with a major role in the furtherance and survival of the human race. We are necessary. What has been happening in our society, however, is that people have been trying to change their designs. There are women who want to be like a man. There are men who want to be like women. God is saying to them, you don't have the circuits for this. To pursue these desires is the equivalent of short-circuiting. 
If you're not sure if you're a female, God has provided you with physical evidence so that you may know if you were born with a female reproductive system, you are a female. If you are not, you are a male. How you feel, how you feel and whom you prefer to sleep with are not relevant. These things don't make you a woman or a man. Your feelings do not bring dignity to what which is unnatural. The fact that many people are doing something doesn't mean that it's right. We shouldn't confuse numbers with normalcy. If enough of us are abnormal, we believe it's normal. Don't let anyone fool you into believing that you are something you're not. You should look at your design. The male is designed to provide seed for the purpose of procreation. Therefore, if you are not sure that you are a female, check to see if you were made to provide sperm. If you were not, then you are a woman. Whether or not you can provide a climax is not the issue. If you are not a male, you should live as a woman you were designed to be so that you can fulfill your true purpose. Forget all the psychological, emotional, and sociological explanations. The only qualification for being a specific gender is to be born with the organs that enable you to fulfill the purpose of that gender. Having an operation and changing your sex organs does not change your nature. If you change your sex organs, it is just like having a kidney transplant. You are still who you were born to be. If a male receives a female's kidney in a kidney transplant, he's still a man. Therefore, we need to appreciate our creation as males and females, designed specifically for God's love and his purposes in this world. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared us for in advance to do. Ephesians 2.10 A female cannot become what God intended until she is filled with the Holy Spirit, submits to the word, and begins to follow the leading of the Spirit. Many of the women of today are not living godly lives. They are not in the garden. They are in the wilderness. You need to be in a relationship with God in the garden. You need to be in a relationship with God. And you need to be in a relationship with men, whether husband or your brothers in the Lord, in order to be what you were created to be. This is the ideal. And God wants you to work back to it. He wants you to have the spirit of the garden so that you will be in a continual fellowship with him. Then you will be able to experience fulfillment both as a spiritual being created in God's image and as a female created for good and created for good God's purposes. You are God's idea and his unique creation. So you can ask God to show you whether you're under authority in both the spiritual and the earthly realms. And then read Philippians 2, 6 and 8 and meditate on Christ's equality with submission to God the Father. And ask God to give you the heart and mind of Christ in relation to submission, whether you are a woman or a man. Okay, and if you're trying to worship God while not forgiving other people, or living in right relationship with them, ask God to forgive you and reconcile with others so that you can worship him in spirit 
and in truth. John 4, 24. So I hope this was impactful to you. I hope it opened your eyes and helps you to see where you are and what God has for you. I am so delighted to have you listening to this content because it truly will change your life. A lot of times it's just information that we need that can make the biggest difference in our lives. I love you so much. Please let me know how you're enjoying this book and how you're enjoying these podcasts. Send me a message on my Instagram at Dr. Michelle Duff or at the Dr. Duff Show. And also visit findforeverfragrances.com and purchase a beautiful feminine fragrance for yourself. I hope that you have an amazing, blessed week. And I will see you next time on the Dr. Daff Show. Bye-bye.